Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Is it spousal crime in your household to watch ahead on TV shows? It's not spousal crime. It's my own sanity. She is the worst. Uh, my wife will not pay attention to like the first 15 minutes of a movie and then spend the rest of the movie asking questions that were answered in the first 15 minutes. And I can do it for a two hour movie, but I am not doing it for an entire TV series. (laughs) Fuck that. She has to watch the first episode. (laughs) Uh, Am I right? Yeah. Well, Oh God. And also the thing is like, I've read the book, so I can't, I'm going to be pretty unclear on what I know just because I've read the book and what I've seen on the show. Like that knowledge is kind of a mixture. Yeah. So I don't want to be like, oh, well, it's because da 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 da. Maybe it's a secret on this show, or maybe it's a. They're going to go in a different direction. I don't know. Like, so. Ugh. Yeah, that's risky business. You get into the the made made for television stuff. They yeah, so. have to make different artistic choices. So it really, she should have paid attention in the first episode. She's holding the whole show up. So, Sheesh. I know. And so I'm watching old episodes of ER because I don't. There are no questions to answer. I don't care if she misses part of it because, you know, it's 20 years old. Right? <laughs> and it's also a different. It's a different era of TV where there it, there weren't really like so many three lot. You know, it wasn't as plotted yeah. from episode to episode. Almost everything's self-contained. Your TV right now is incredible and stressful. Yeah. It's like, every, it, like there's so much and it's so good and it's all over the place and it's like, I feel like every time I finish something, someone's like, you need to watch this. I'm like, oh shit, I just finished that. Like, I'm barely working yeah, on this one. It's made it real easy for me to jump off of TV shows. Yeah. Like if it doesn't, if there's no more, oh well, it gets good in the second season. Yeah, let's give like, it a shot. Well, then I will go to Wikipedia and read up on season one, and I'm <laughs> started on season two. I do not have time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's like it's it feels like homework. I'm behind. Yeah. You know, and yeah, and that's like we we literally just got Hulu like three days ago. Just got Hulu. I didn't know you were a huge ER fan. Oh, back in the day, yeah. ER, I think, is one of the best TV shows ever made. It's it's near perfection. It's it's just okay, – let me take that back. The first three or four seasons are perfect. Sure. It, it, it went to shit afterwards, but, you know. Uh, well, it became some, a huge money-making vehicle, so. Yeah, and they turned over the entire cast, and it became – also, it just became way too melodramatic and stuff like that. But yeah. The first three or four seasons, top notch, um, and then it still had some moments until about season six. You can you can, you can stop watching at season six, um, but like, uh, yeah, like if everything feels like homework because now like there's a whole library of shows that I didn't have before because I just got Hulu, so it's like oh great and 
on the one hand, it's like, hey, I can finally watch these shows. On the other hand, it's like, great. Once I finish Handmaid's Tale, I can finally watch season two of Fargo. And then I can watch Runaways. Mm-hmm. And then I can, you know, you're like, oh, my God, I just created a new list for myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't have that much free time, so. Yeah, me either. That's my problem is we, we're on – we're backtracking on Veep now because we got behind on that, which is an easy one because it's a half hour. Yeah. Huh. No commercials. You can blow right through it, but still. No, it's an easy one to not watch because you, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? Right. You're like, someone's going to say something stupid and there's going to be an awkward situation. And then at the end of it, Julia Louise Dreyfus is going to have to do something humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great That's every like, time. That's like half of the episodes, <laughs> and and I'm not knocking it because I like Veep a lot, but <laughs> that is basically the show. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny because uh, what's his face, uh, uh, the guy running for Senate. Uh, what is it, uh, Jonah? Jonah Ryan. Yeah. Oh my God, that is like the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're b- behind, so we just got. Uh, we're on like season five even, but near the end. So it was uh, the part where he was at the bowling alley yelling at Patton Oswalt's <laughs> character. But it, yeah. <laughs> they filmed it to make it look like he was yelling at the, the mentally handicapped girl. Yeah. Uh, syndrome girl, I guess she had Down syndrome. Mm. Wow, what a great show. Um, but yeah, like you just get behind and it's so hard to catch up. And so, and I don't, want my entertainment to feel like work. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, so it's been easy for me to cut back on shit. Speaking of uh, catching up, I still have not watched our bowl game. Really? I haven't. I was at the Rose Bowl that day. Oh, that's right. You were at the Rose Bowl. I totally forgot about that. So I watched, I mean, I, okay, so I've seen clips from highlights and I watched a little bit live, but... We didn't have a TV at our tailgate, so I was like, and the closest one was not like in standing distance, so I had to, you know, walk like fifty feet away to see a TV and come back. I'm just, I'm just disappointed there was no TV at your tailgate. That's just poor planning. Yeah, Georgia um, fans flying in. I, you know, I'm telling you, that rookies. Um, now, I don't know. It felt a lot like the last Notre Dame pole game. Not a whole lot of difference. That's what that's what I gathered. So I was like, ah, that's why I haven't really been in a hurry to go rewatch it because I'm like, yeah, yeah, like we got to the goal line a bunch of times, and when we got to the goal line, we didn't get in, and when they got to the goal line, they punched it through. There's the game. So, hey, and with that little bit of review, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. We like to start off on the depressing stuff. <laughs> We need the uh, like the club alarm thing, you know. The burr, 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 burr. Yeah, no. yeah, no, yeah. We took off. You know, we tried to meet up during Christmas. Didn't happen because you're a big jerk. Just true. you know, just throwing that out there. And then we were supposed to do a show last week. We didn't do it because I'm a big jerk. Happens. See, so actually, it was it, it was me last week. 
Was it? Okay, yeah. I can't even I think there was one two weeks ago we tried, and you, yeah, you had to bail. there was one I bailed on. I remember that. So, yeah, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, that's right, because last week you forgot. Well, I you had, I, yeah, I had surgery. I mean, out yeah. like, small surgery, and then I just oh, threw I had surgery. <laughs> I had surgery. I was on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> People don't want to hear it. They don't want your excuses. And, like, everything's changed in the last week. We can't talk positively about basketball anymore. I was really looking forward to that. That's true. Now it's two straight losses. Oh, yeah. it all it all sucks now. No, it doesn't. It, it's still pretty good. Yeah. LSU basketball business as usual. Well, it's it's really not. It's 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 a really good team. What I don't the roster is just fatally flawed. Yeah, and that's not really Wade's fault. He he doesn't have a front court. Yeah, he, I, mean, I mean he built the best roster he could in what you know five months or whatever. Yeah, this team is great for what he has. He is fabulously overachieving. And the problem is is when he runs up against good coaches, which is what's happened recently, or at least good coaches who have access to tape, because I don't want to say Michigan has a bad coach because they don't. I mean, they can play a little bit. But the secret's out. We we can't rebound. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, Georgia just stopped running an offense against us. All they did was just pound it inside and just throw up shots. And they mm-hmm. knew that they we couldn't get second boards. chances. Yeah. yeah, third chances and fourth. It was just – there's no creativity to beat LSU. And it's, it's thud – you know, it's just thud, 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 thud. Next year, I think he has three big front court recruits coming in, maybe only two. But next year we should have a front court, and I'm not as worried. So this is all Lanyap. Um, you just want the team to look good, not lose itself. Uh, this year's already pretty much a win. Um, but yeah, they're just roster-wise, this team's not not good enough to make it. But they might make the NIT because he's a really good coach, and Tremont Waters is a special player. I was pulling up the recruiting class. It just took a second. We have two power forwards, so I mean, yeah, basically yeah, that's centers. Gonna, yeah, that's going to help a lot because right now there's just nothing. Yeah, two guys that are six, seven, and above that'll make a difference. Yeah, I mean, right now it's just it, they rely so much on just a few guys. You know, uh, it's it's pretty much all Epps and Reef. Mm-hmm. And then hope they can play. You know, hope they can each play thirty-five minutes. Uh, it's, it's not, that's not sustainable. So, you know, I like the job he's doing. It's just, it's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's just, it's year one, man. You know, this is yeah. this what. These are really good signs for year one because this program uh, yeah. needed to be rebuilt, and he's doing it. So. Yeah, and I also like that he's not happy with it like the yeah. I've, I've i've liked how much he's been pissed off with the losses the last two games yeah he's not making excuses for it and it's not like he's going out there and being like well you know my roster is this it's yeah no. he's just like no we should have got the job done like, i mean he even talked about it's like look it's great that everyone showed up but they don't give you a medal for <laughs> attendance you don't get wins for that and i thought that was really cool like he's he acknowledged hey we appreciate you coming out and that's important but it's not the we have to do better for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was good that he kept that bond of trust with the fan base. He's a bit of a dick, which is interesting. Yeah, well, honestly, as much as everyone else, 
around the league is calling him out for the Alabama. He was totally fucking right. Um, I would have flipped out too. That was a horrible call. Yeah. I, I mean, just horrible call. And the technical was so soft. Because, like, the clips of him having his flip out is not when he got the technical. Right. He got the technical later when the ref was near the coach's box and they brushed up against one another. I just, God, it's, LSU was going to lose anyway at that point, but that's a ref. Just keep your whistle. Right. It, it was, and then when, when the ref called a touch foul with two seconds left and LSU wasn't even trying to foul at that point. If I was Wade, I, I would have lost my shit. I mean, <laughs> I, I would have gone Bobby Knight at that point. It was it was such an atrocious game management call that I'm surprised the student section didn't riot. <laughs> That's the kind of, you know, honestly, I said he's a dick. And I said that because leading into this year, a lot of people were like, he's kind of a dick. Just be prepared. Like, he, yeah. He's not very popular, which is fine. Like If you're a good coach, you can be a dick. But... Uh, it might be kind of the energy our program needs because we've tried the nice guy thing. We yeah, had, Trent you know, John Brady was kind of a dick, and he did pretty well. Trent Johnson was a very nice guy. Yeah. Still is. Still is a very nice guy. And Johnny Jones, yeah. too. Like, he's a legend. He's beloved. Yeah, people love John. I think we still love Johnny Jones. He's yeah. just, you know, just couldn't coach. <laughs> couldn't recruit. I mean, he, he is the classic can recruit but can't coach guy yeah. that's fine like he, i mean he tried and that's really all you can ask out of the guy and then we fired him because he did very bad <laughs> yeah i mean he got a shot at his dream job i'm assuming it's his dream job and you know it didn't work out but i don't think anyone should be grudging for that but it's just yeah. it's nice to have that sort of Trent was always pretty passive. Johnny had moments of being fired up, but he also just looked kind of aloof sometimes. Yeah, I think that's fair. And Wade just seems dialed into everything. Yeah, just, yeah, he's connected on everything. And, I mean, still, that calling a kickball when the ball, when the Alabama player bounces it off an LSU knee. Uh, I mean, uh, it was a horrible call. And... If they don't make that call, LSU has the ball down four with about a minute to play. And it's a totally different game. But blowing that call, it ended the comeback, which was probably doomed anyway. But you like to see it ended on LSU's own merits, not because the refs made a bad call. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm I'm good with Wade being pissed off. He he had every right to be pissed, and it's not like he cost him the game. By the time he got the technical, the game was out of reach. So I forgot too that next year they'll have that uh, Cavell Bigby Williams guy from. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, another so, big. So yeah, that's the, really the problem right now is there's just no bigs, and there's only so far you can get on miracle shots <laughs> <laughs> from Trey Waters. So. <laughs> I was telling my buddy the other day, he's an OU fan, I was like, you know, if Trey Young from OU wasn't a true freshman and so incredible, more people would probably be talking about Tremont Waters just because he's so exciting. But I feel like he's yeah. just lost because, I mean, in, the, in terms of the na- – obviously LSU fans are well aware, but in yeah, the national conversation, I don't think people really know about how funny he is. Yeah, and, and obviously Trey Young is – I mean, he's going to win player of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, he, And also he's – 
he's the difference is, is Trey Young is also he's an NBA prospect. That's true. He, he's going to go straight to the NBA. Uh, Tremont Waters is generously listed at five eleven. <laughs> yeah, he's a little guy. <laughs> he is not going pro after this year. He probably won't go pro after his sophomore year. He doesn't have the build of an NBA player. No. Now that doesn't mean he won't ever play in the NBA, but he's probably not going to leave early. Yeah, he's like a free agent. Yeah. I mean, he reminds me, since I live in Dallas, he reminds me a lot of a guy like Yogi Ferrell, who doesn't have the NBA body type, but has managed to stick around on the roster and be a productive player. But he's a backup point guard. Yeah. I mean, he's a nice piece, but, you know, no one's knocking down his door. Yeah, I agree. But that's good for LSU. I mean, we need someone that it would not be a good situation if he was one and done, I don't think. Yeah, no. I, it's better for LSU's program to have a guy who's not quite good enough to go to the NBA. Yeah. We needed a guy to build off of. And that's not a shot at Ben Simmons. Like, no. I'm thrilled Ben Simmons came to LSU, but he's a hard guy to build off of. Yeah, especially when he's done after half a season. Yeah. But, you know, I don't blame him fully for that either. No, no, because that was – it was a lost season already. So yeah. he, he doesn't get the bill for that. <laughs> well, that's, what is going on? That, that's it. That's oh. all that's happened in LSU sports. Are, are you falling down a hill or something? I hear a lot of micro you – know, uh, Oh, is it loud? Yeah, I heard some microphone, like, banging right there. That's weird. Okay. Uh, nope, it wasn't doing anything. I have okay. no idea. All right. Then it might just be my headphones. I'll try and be really still for the rest of the Yeah, podcast. just sit there. Don't move. Don't <laughs> Don't move. breathe. Don't even say anything. Well, no. Yeah, other than that, nothing has happened in LSU sports. It's been totally, totally calm. <laughs> this is this is what we like to call burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we majorly – I mean, especially considering this is mostly an LSU football podcast. Yeah. We it lightly hits on baseball and basketball. And hey, you know what? We hit some gym. Hey, Jim beat Florida, still number one in the country. Hell yeah. Jim's, you know, chugging along. We'll, we'll, we'll do more gym later, but I mean, not in this podcast later, but like as the season goes on. But things are good. Hour three, the gym recap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We finally get the football after we break down gym for an hour and a half. Um, why did everyone tune out? Um, <laughs> That's when um, we, this is when we have to be like, we have some breaking news that we're going to drop coming up here yeah. in a little bit, folks. Here in a little bit. That's how the that's how uh, the morning radio guys do it. Yeah. Oh my God. We have breaking news. Like that turns out to be like the most mundane shit that you've ever. <laughs> yes. Every time. Oh God. I, so yeah. So LSU loses its bowl game to Notre Dame. Um, honestly, it, it it was a lot like the Music City Bowl. It, it was. I don't want to say the exact same game. Uh, this was a little bit different because LSU was winning for most of it. Um, this was definitely Poser's Law in in action. Yeah. Where LSU, LSU dominated that game. LSU was the better team. They went up and down the field on Notre Dame. Uh, they looked more talented. Um, they, they just couldn't score. Um, every time LSU, LSU, I think, had two or three plays of the goal line where it looked like they got in but didn't. And replay show that they probably didn't get in. The refs made the right call. Um, and 
when you get in the red, I think they had something like five or six red zone trips and only got six points out of it. I mean, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I mean, from a if you're like looking at like how the team played standpoint, hey, really good. You know, LSU moved the ball, the offense looked functional, the defense was really good, and then. I mean, you don't like to lose, but it's like, hey, everything looked pretty good. And then you have the same bugaboo that's been really torturing this program almost for like five years now. I don't know what it is with two-minute defense. <laughs> I thought Chavis it, brought it with him. Yeah, I thought Chavis got rid of that. You know, it took it with him. But this team, again, really has a problem closing out halves. It's not as bad as it was at peak Chavis levels. I think that was like 2013 when it was just out of control. Yeah. But Aranda really had some problems closing out halves this year. And But at the end of the day, they beat us on a miracle pass. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to do? And that's kind of that's kind of the end of it. And, you know, you never like to lose a Notre Dame because it's Notre Dame. But in the grand scheme of things, the team played well. That's the more important thing. Uh, no one really got hurt. That's the most important thing. And the game, you know, it was a nice vacation. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I didn't feel like anybody. Uh, again, I didn't watch it because I was at the Rose Bowl, but uh, I didn't feel like the reaction to it was necessarily like quite the way it is when LSU normally loses, even bowl games. Yeah, I mean, like, you're upset the day of because, you know, you just watch the game and that yeah. sucks. Yeah, absolutely. But, but there, there was there was really no hangover because mainly the reason I wasn't a hangover is because we immediately went into coaching. Because right after that, it was, OK, we're firing the offensive coordinator. Oh, no, we're not. Maybe we are. <laughs> and, then, you know, oh, let's put that on hold while Texas A&M tries to steal our defensive coordinator. So I think we went so straight in the coaching drama. No one really had time to dwell because the coaching drama was the more important shit. God, I I had like all but forgotten about the whole Aranda almost leaving thing. Yeah, I think that was critical. Clearly. Um, um, Clearly LSU did as well. Look, LSU has lost its last two defensive coordinators to SEC schools. Yeah. Um, A&M came in, stole Chavis, and while we were kind of done with done with Chavis, I think it had run its course. At the same time, you don't like a rival coming in and hiring your coach away from you. Steele, neither one of us really liked Kevin Steele. Uh, thought he did a pretty terrible job, but he was still our defensive coordinator. He'd only been there for a year, and then Auburn comes in and raids him. And I think if someone had come in, if A&M had come in and taken our defensive coordinator, the third out of three, it's just a bad look. It really is. It starts making you look like a second-rate program. Yeah, like, you know, like you're just grooming them for other schools. And, yes, I know the national media went on about how much we're overpaying them, but isn't that the whole point of hiring Orgeron? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the whole point was, oh, we're not going to pay – our head coach that much so we can pay so much for our defensive and offensive coordinator. I never, I don't really understand. I didn't understand the logic of the angst. Like 
I know everyone was particularly <clears throat> going after Dan Wolken because he was repeatedly harping on this, but it's like we're still way undercommitted financially in terms of, like A&M has way more money committed to their coaching staff yeah, than we do. That's, way that's, more. That's what I didn't get. And also they're talking about like buyouts. <laughs> they just bought out Kevin Sumlin. They had to give him an $11 million lump sum. Yeah, in 60 days after firing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And also they're the ones who offered Aranda the contract. LSU was just matching an offer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to get into this whole, like, the indecency of it all, then, like, it's, then talk about the whole subject. Don't just sit there and be like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, how dare LSU play, pay its defensive coordinator that much? Well, they kind of were between a rock and a hard place. They, you know, this is the market value. A&M is the one who set the market price. And if you believe Dave Aranda is the best defensive coordinator in the country or one of the – he was worth that price, and LSU has set up its coaching budget to afford this kind of price for a defensive coordinator. I have not only did I not have a problem with it, I thought it was a great move. I thought it was yeah. a for a program that's been kind of adrift and not really sure of what they're doing. I thought this was a moment of clarity where they were just like, "Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hire Dave Aranda. We're going to make him the highest paid assistant in the country. You know what? We're going to fire Canada. We're not afraid of the buyout." You know, we don't want him here. He's gone. You know, we're going to move forward with authority. And then we just kind of didn't do a coach search and just hired the guy who's been on staff for a long time. Yeah. uh, I mean, I guess the way to look at it is you could look at it that way or you could look at it as being really decisive. I mean, if that's who he knew he wanted, which is what he says. Yeah, he in the you know he they even asked him in the press conference like oh coach there's a report that T Martin reached out or you reached out to T Martin or something like that and he was like well I told you know T called and I told him that I had my guy I mean so he he certainly locked on to Ensminger whether or not that's a good decision I don't know what we'll get to the Ensminger actually being hired in a second what I didn't like about the search was they had this real energy on that Wednesday or Thursday. And then a week later, it's all, it seemed like it had all fizzled out, which means we didn't get that bump that it just didn't feel like they, it's like the, the AD, the entire athletic department doesn't speak with one voice. There's a little bit of that. Oh, you, me, huh? Meh. And just people are on the same page. It, you don't get the feeling that, you know, it's to use the, uh, you know, PJ Fleck. They're not all, you know, rowing together. Mm-hmm. And part of that is probably because some of the boosters are open, are an open revolt. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's probably half the boosters want to fire Orgeron right now, which is insane. But still, like, that's what that's why it's hard to get everybody on the same page. Um, I didn't like that they didn't do any interviews like they you know, there wasn't this search where they said, okay, well, let's compare him to the minds out there. And, you know, we'll just throw out the name. Like everyone was talking about, uh, um, now it's name escapes me from, you know, Oklahoma state. Oh, your Yeah. Your was, you know, a bit, was a big name that was getting thrown out there. It would have been nice to see an interview just, or, you know, even T Martin, Hey, come in for an interview. Like you're a name, like just to show, like we're looking, but 
maybe you're right. Maybe Orgeron was just like, no, I don't want to look. This is my guy. I have him. We're just going to – I'm throwing in my lot with him. It, it took him a while to finally hire him and get everybody on page. It took him about a week to do it. They could have announced it the same day, but they didn't because – well, I don't, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But It seemed to me like it, it was my guess. I have no idea, no sources or nothing, yeah. that – they were still negotiating that buyout with Canada, and that that it leaked that that was that they were closing in on it. But then once the buyout was finally done, like basically the, his last day was like Tuesday, and they announced it the next day or that afternoon or something. So it seems like yeah, I I don't know if it was some HR shit where they're like, well, you can't hire a new offensive coordinator because you already have an offensive coordinator. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and I mean, I think it was a it could have also been Coach O saying, hey, here's a guy I want, and then other people. Saying, well, no, you can't have him. We want yeah. you to hire, you know, hire this guy, this guy, and O being, no, this is my guy. I want to hire him, and it took a week for everybody to finally give in to O. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's a very, pl- you know, both of those scenarios are plausible. That said, once they got to the press conference, Ensminger knocked it out of the park. Knocked yeah. it out of the fucking park. Yeah, I'm kind of interested because you, you and I haven't really talked about this that much. Uh, offline, yeah, and I missed no, you DM me on Friday, and I just saw it today. I missed like I, you sent one message and you backed it up with another one, and I missed the second one saying like you're Charlie Brown going after the football, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like Charlie. This might you know, I feel like Charlie Brown in the football. Hey, maybe this is the offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, look, he was one of the early proponents of the spread. I, I mean, he didn't. He hasn't been an offensive coordinator in 20 years, and that's a that's, that's a huge biggest, red flag. Yeah, that's my that is a, my number one. Every time I start thinking positive, that's my one like, yeah, that is why a, couldn't he get that job again, you know? That is a huge red flag. Uh, I mean, there's no way around it. I don't think you should explain it away. That is a red flag. Yeah. I, and I don't, so I'm about to say, but aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? <laughs> Ensminger, when he was an offense coordinator, was one of the early proponents of the spread. He was a guy who always wanted to, you know, spread out defenses and chuck it around. That is what he tried to do at Clemson. He didn't have the talent that he'll have at LSU. And look, I think a lot of it is, and if the Les Miles report is true, where he said he offered Ensminger the job in 2010 when he fired Croton, and Ensminger turned it down, that says a lot about maybe just Ensminger doesn't want to be the offense coordinator because he looked pretty reticent to take the job this time. Yeah, that was a – I took that as a positive sign too, that story. Yeah, because it made it – It made it seem like it was a job he just didn't really care about. Yeah. Which is like, different than a job that you couldn't get. <laughs> right, and he's been on the staff for a long time, and I know LSU's offenses have had some serious issues, but it's not like they've – They've also had a lot of positives, which I think people gloss over when they just want to hammer LSU for having an unproductive offense. LSU really does have one of the most efficient offenses in the country and has pretty much every year of this decade. That's what we do. Like, we do really well at yard per play. Now, it's got a lot of other issues, but we've had that locked down, so... And Ensminger has been a part of that the entire time, so there's there's something to be said for that. The other thing is, his offense did look good 
last year when well two years ago now yeah when he came in there the offense i, I think they're overstating the case when they start talking about record breaking because it was always by like two yards agreed uh, like like take and, that with it yeah and schedule you know it was yeah. a, it was a weak batch of teams yeah, and also he did have problems against good defenses. Like I don't think the offense radically improved. That said, it did improve. Yeah, on the fly. I, I think. Yeah, I think people who say, "Oh, he completely transformed the offense," it was gaining four yards and then it gained seven under him. Like it was almost twice as good. That's bullshit. Because at the beginning of the season, it was a you know, the the schedule was front loaded. Like he yeah. played much better teams. That said. The offense did get better. <laughs> like, yeah. there's a middle ground there. Like, and I did like that, you know, he, he turned Danny Etling into a, you know, competent quarterback. Yeah, and it just looked more modern and inventive. We were, I mean, Seth wrote a piece today uh, for the site about what he would do with the offense, but he highlighted some of the stuff that Ensminger was already doing two years ago. Yeah. It's just stuff that even like Canada ditched this year, like RPOs and things that most modern college offenses run, honestly. You know, he, he ran three wide receiver sets. That was not uncommon. Like yeah. he just it looked like a college offense. It didn't look you yes. know, he doesn't and Smeard isn't I don't want to promote him as oh, he's this grand wizard of football. This is we've had stash on our staff. That's not true. But he does look like a guy who actually just is a competent offensive coordinator in modern football tactics. And we've been missing that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. It's like, this is a guy who can at least run an offense that everybody else in the country runs. Now, is he a whiz kid like Longo, who I'd love to have from Ole Miss? No, he's not. No. You know, he's not going to be running, you know, the air raid offense. Yeah, barring some, you know... That he's just been like doing some wizard shit in his spare time while he's the tight ends coach. He's not going to reinvent the wheel here. I mean, it's. I don't expect like LSU to suddenly be like the kings of innovation on offense, I guess. Right, but we won't be running an offense from 1995. Exactly. I think it's the. I, I think that's what I took. And it was just a really. When he came in that press conference, I think what I liked about him not wanting the job is he comes into this job with a gigantic bucket of don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, previous coordinators have come in here, even ones I've liked, and they've been trying to say things that they, we want to hear. Yep. Right? You know, and they're trying to promote themselves, and they're trying to make a name. Ensmere has... It, pretty much came out and said, I didn't want this job and they gave it to me. Now you got me. I'm the coach. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, look, we're going to run a modern offense, blah, 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 blah. But that wasn't the part that I was listening to. It was more the, this guy in Seinfeld terms has hand. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think he's just going to be, I don't, I don't think it's going to be gimmicky. You know, I just think he's just going to come out there and he's just going to say, okay, we're going to play football. But, and people are going to leave me alone. And he's not not being billed as a savior, I think, is actually his biggest positive. Yeah, it's interesting that if there's there was obviously the announcement was not met with, met with very much excitement. 
I wonder if that was part of the delay too. Was like they leaked it to let it sort of simmer with everyone for a week. I, I totally believe that. <laughs> so I mean, but there is something to be said for diminished expectations. Like if he could deliver like a top forty offense somehow, which really wouldn't be that dramatic of an improvement off of this year's. Well, it depends on how you genius, right? It depends on how you judge top 40. If you judge it by yards per play, it's a step backwards. Yeah, I meant more traditional like points but if, than yards. Yeah, kind of you just go by scoring, which I think is what people mean. Yes. Scoring offense, he needs to have a top 40 scoring offense because that's really the thing that's been lacking. And the this is where we get into the big problem. This offense, this year – Look, the offense took giant strides this year. It improved in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I and almost all of it leaves. Like almost every part of that offense is gone. He's going to lose his quarterback. He's going to lose the star running back. He's mm-hmm. going to lose both starting wide receivers. Loses his starting tight end. He's going to lose about half of his offensive line. I mean, this team is going to get gutted by graduation. It's brutal. And he has to come in, take over for another guy, and not only rebuild the offense, he has to rebuild the roster. He needs freshmen and sophomores to come in and be great. Yeah, that is, that's the really tall part of it. Like, it's almost – this is the one part I don't, I guess, fully understand – and maybe this goes with the whole he didn't want the job thing. But I feel like last season when O got the job, if he just would have said, we're going to keep Benzeminger as our offensive coordinator, he did a great job. We feel like that consistency is valuable. We broke X and X and X record. Like, I don't think yeah. there would have been that much backlash. Like, people, uh, yeah. there would have been a little bit of like, what? But I think it would have just been like, well, you know, he did a good job, so let's let's try it out. But, now, you know, yeah. a year later, people were over that. And I don't know. I, I think you're right about that. And, and, and I know there's been, a, I meant to, all that to say, this year's team would have been a better situation, I guess, because you would oh, have I told, more seniority I at, at your skill positions, though we know the offensive line kind of crumbled. Yeah, and also, like, Canada, well, we don't know the behind the scenes of just them not getting along. Yeah. So put that aside. Put per- personality conflicts is clearly the number one issue. Um, but from an on-field thing, I think Canada's biggest issue was he did a very poor job of building depth. Yeah. Now, part of that was the offensive line cratered at the beginning of the year, and you know he was scrambling the entire season trying to get, you know, just bodies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he gets a little bit of pass on that, but he really didn't do a whole lot of. There's some talented running backs on the roster, and they didn't get a lot of playing time. And that was the kind of thing, particularly with guys hurt, you, he could have done a much better job of getting guys like Hilaire, Brissett, more carries, just so they'd be ready for the load the next season. There was no look ahead. You know, and then, you know, the quarterback thing, which has had tons of speculation between, you know, how Brennan was treated. They did a very poor job of grooming Brennan. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's it's not Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't reflect well on him assuming he had autonomy and he wasn't, you know, being forced to Yeah, let's 
we, we don't know the behind the scenes of like the force. There's a lot of rumors about what happened, but I'm just saying if we're just judging the offensive coordinator by what happened, he did not do a good job of prepping for this year. And honestly, that was something that was promised too, in terms of the offense he said he would bring, which was like just putting people in position to make plays, which meant, and he said it repeatedly, basically it was like whoever, anybody could get yeah. the ball. And so I think we all had this vision of like, we're going to have 9, 10, 11 people touch the ball a game. And yeah, like some and I, weeks we kind of did, but it was usually like one touch. Yeah, I think the only guy on the roster I have any confidence in to be a playmaker is Sullivan. Yeah, he's he's shown some. Yeah, and he was used intermittently, but he was used enough that I, he was basically viewed, you know, used in the way that like Chark was two years ago. Where you're like, yeah. okay, I see the potential to be good. The next year, I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll spot you that. But like, even guys, you know, like, you know, we've promoted Hilaire and Brissett, but I haven't seen anything from them. No, because they haven't done and, anything. Yeah, and they it's because they didn't get a shot to do it. And yeah. it's not like there was an opportunity in some of these games. It's not like LSU played, you know, a bunch of nail biters. No. So that is a that's Ensminger's biggest issue. I mean. Everything else is secondary to that. And if he's, you know, playing freshmen and sophomores, he does not it doesn't matter. He's not getting a leash. I mean, the fan base right now is so toxic that they're gonna turn on him in a second if they're not putting up points right away. And they start against Miami, who I don't know if you've heard, has pretty good defense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I agree. This is um, – I'm with you. Like, I, I have grown to be cautiously optimistic about the hire. Um, the, the biggest red flag is totally the 20 years not being a coordinator. But, again, if he didn't want that job, I mean, what it – you know, that sort of explains it at least to an extent. And, um, you know, it's proven. So, like, if he – if he sucks, then the the whole crew is going to get fired. So yeah, I mean, and, I, and, I don't think there is a <clears throat> there is no next offensive coordinator hire unless it's Steve Ensminger retires, and that's the next offensive coordinator hire is whoever is replacing him. Yeah, it's always in a tough spot because next year the schedule gets a lot tougher. Yep. This year, he really had the benefit of an, a much easier schedule. I think this year's team was a worse team with a better record or ended up with the same record. But I don't think this this team was not as good as 2016. But I think given what they had to overcome, he did a really good job. I think it was a much better coaching job. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the thing is, is this year... I mean, it could be the opposite. We're really looking at a thing where the team could improve, could have a better team with a worse record. Yeah, that's... And and people aren't going to put up with that. There is no leash. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, I do think wins and losses will help. Right? Like, if we come out and beat Miami, like, 10 to 3. Okay. Ugly. But I think people would be okay with it. 
I think there's if you uh, win those games, like if we can get through September and be undefeated somehow, which is tall task, I think. Yeah, you're gonna buy. They're gonna buy themselves a little leash, a little bit. Yeah, if they can get through September undefeated, they will have. They will have done something because it's. It, I mean, they they play both Miami. They open up in Dallas against Miami, and on the fifteenth they play in Auburn. Yeah, it's rough. And you, you also have a September 29th game against Ole Miss. So you'll you'll have which is at home, but still, if you get through September, you'll have played two conference games, one against arguably the best non-Alabama team in the conference. And a neutral site game against Miami. If you're five and zero at that point, you're really good. <laughs> and the problem is, is like I'm not as confident of you. If LSU wins that game, beats Miami ten to three, I don't think the overall fan base is as satisfied with that. I don't think ten points is going to make people happy, even against a defense as good as Miami's. You think they'll turn no matter what? Yeah, I think he needs to put up points. I mean, it is Miami, but it's still got to be in the neighborhood of, like, 20 points. If yeah. they lose, like, 21-20, I think people will be okay with it because it's the first game. But if they win a game 10-3, that might be, like, the worst-case scenario. <laughs> but that Auburn game is going to loom real big real early. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They've lost a lot, too. So Yeah. I think they are. I think Auburn's really vulnerable, but it's also in Auburn. Yeah. And Gus team starts slower. I don't know. It's a weird I don't know what to think of that one. Yeah, it's look, it's it's nine months away. You know, we're not We're doing our preview right now. Yeah, right now, <laughs> to be right. But I, I think the biggest issue is is that there's my point more about the schedule is that there isn't a whole lot of time to ramp up. No. You know, it's not like we open up against BYU. Yeah, and then go into like New Mexico State. Tulane, yeah, and uh, you know some other dog. It's it's right it, to the real games. And just to let you know, once they play Ole Miss, it's then Florida, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So it is. We're gonna know pretty early where this team stands. The other interesting thing about the, I mean, Inspinger acknowledged this in his PC, and I, you and I have talked about this. And other people picked up on it too, but LSU ostensibly is built to kind of be a passing team next year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting because you no, can make a case that strategically the best decision will be to come out and throw the ball more. I think we absolutely should. Um, <clears throat> and this is the first time in a long time the most important player is going to be our quarterback. And I know because I said that on Twitter, a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, this is what we say every year. I'm like, no, this is not what we say. Every year people come, if we could just find a quarterback who can be a game manager. Like that's always been the thing. Can we find a quarterback who won't hurt us? That's not what next year is. Next year is we need Miles Brennan to be a really good quarterback right away. Like there is no – if Miles Brennan is not at least – one of the top three passers in the SEC. LSU's not going to have a good year. Like he, it, it hinges on his arm. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see a route f- for this team to be 
really good without Miles Brennan being really good. Because there, there just isn't like a Jeremy Hill, Leonard Fournette, Darius Geis that you can just feed and just be this bruising power offense that relies on the defense. No, there's really not. I mean, it's not uh, – there are backs that I like, but it, it's not – Yeah. And, uh, yeah you, you'd be, uh, it'd be a bit foolish to go in thinking we're going to rely on that. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. It's like I don't see a path – and, and look, if, if Miles Brennan is just a good quarterback and he's decent, that doesn't mean I think LSU is going to go four and nine. It just means if LSU is going to have legitimate goals next year, you know, on a you know win the conference or at least contend for the conference title, be in the national title conversation, they need Miles Brennan to be great or near great or little Narcisse. Or Narcisse. I don't want to totally write off Narcisse. But I think we're turning the keys over to Miles. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm excited about it, honestly. I mean, I feel like he's probably one of the more gifted passers we've signed in a while. Um, I think the talent is there, you know. It's just quarterback is about so much more than talent, so... Is he going to do the things he has to do to be there mentally? I will say that we – I think we have targets. You know, they're not as experienced, but I do feel okay about a receiving core. Yeah. Um, You know, it's not like it's – I, I think Sullivan showed a lot. I like Drake. You know, Drake Davis has been really inconsistent, but at least, you know, he's shown something. Yep. Derek Dillon has, you know. Yeah, he's made some plays. I mean, there's three guys that at least go into the season being, okay, these guys can do something. I think Torrey Carter, you know, as a t- you know, fullback tight end has been really good catching the ball. So there's there's at least four targets who I come into the season going, okay, here are some guys. Don't forget like, Giles, the transfer. Yeah. Uh, what is it? The guy from oh, the guy from Texas Tech. Yeah, and he was big time numbers at Tech. So, Obviously, different offense, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, there's at least guys. I think going to this year, I was just like, it's you know, it, it's Shark and nobody else. I had no confidence in anybody on the roster. And at least going into this year, while I don't think there's a one dominant guy, you know, there's not a DJ Shark. I feel more confident in the depth. I feel there's more guys that are like, hey, this guy's done something, this guy's done something, this guy's done something. Mm-hmm. About the only guy I've kind of written off is D. Anderson. But he's still a sophomore, so I don't want to totally write off his career. Yeah. There's still time. He hasn't, yeah, also- he hasn't transferred yet, and it seems like we're through the, uh, at least the spring-winter portion of transfers. <sighs> Got killed by the draft again. Yep. Um, I, I I don't even know what to say about it anymore. It's I don't get it. Like I okay, okay a couple of those guys I could kind of get, but like I don't get Will Clap. Yeah. At all, Look, I don't know what he's thinking. I mean, Toby Weathersby. That one doesn't get me at all. I mean, I kind of he's yeah. I speculated about this during the season because I there were rumors about it all season. Like he's gonna go, and I was like, why? He's not very good. <laughs> like he could yeah. he couldn't barely hold down his job. Yeah, like we need him from a depth standpoint. Like LSU needs him because yeah. they just need 
another body, but that he, he does not strike me as an NFL talent. No, I mean, but also, all I can think is he's he has been injured, and so maybe he's like, maybe I can get you know, cash yeah. in for a couple years, and, but like Kevin Tolliver, I think. I mean, maybe, but that's a big chance to take. Yeah. Look, I, I got no problem with, you know, Arden Key, Darius Geis. Like, go with God. You know, you guys are first-round picks. You know, and even Dante, you know. Yeah. No problem. He's going to – he He's might be a, a first-round pick. pick. Yeah. You know, probably second round. But still, like, I get that. Like, I, I don't want to be holding guys back. But a lot of these guys are – Gonna get drafted late and probably won't be on NFL rosters in two years. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's one of your big. Uh... Yeah, and then you see Clemson returning their entire you know stud defensive line. Yeah, that was bizarre too. In the other way, like, why is that guy not declaring? Yeah, it's. It. It, it seems that LSU gets hurt by the draft more than any other program. I we wonder. just can't. <laughs> Do you think it could be residue of, like, Miles' recruiting strategies? I think it is. Uh, I mean, all these guys were recruited by Les. I mean, I know O was on staff, but you still he was taking orders at that time, you know? So, And I think I, a I, major pitch Les had was, we get you to the NFL. Just look. You yeah. Know? And I wonder if that's just all they think about sometimes. Or yeah, and they don't think about, you know, how they're doing it. And right. I mean, I did like to see, like, Trey White. I, I forgot who was it when they declared, but he said, no, you should go back for your senior year. <laughs> yeah. I think he told that to Tolliver. I thought that was really, you know, and Trey's a guy who did come back for a senior year, but I did like to see some of that. Like they're still cheering for the guy, but they're also kind of like, dude, Trey White can say, Hey, look, you can come back for your senior year and improve your stock. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's just, even if these guys it's not losing the studs that hurt you. It's losing the depth, particularly on the line, the offensive line to go through this again. Mm-hmm. It won't be as bad next year, but it's still a pretty thin line. I, I get the, so during the early signing period, we signed two Juco O line. Um, the tackle made perfect sense to me because I was like, well, they're counting on, Lose like I was thinking they're counting on losing Weathersby as had been rumored, but I thought for sure Clap would come back, and so the guard didn't make as much sense to me just because I was like, well, you still have Clap Brumfield and then Ingram, so like he doesn't really have a spot other than being depth, which is good, but he doesn't have a starting spot, which is unusual for a JUCO. Yeah, uh, but now I'm like, well, it makes more sense because they were probably counting on, or I guess you know this is how you recruit is you just. They're building numbers just in case. So. Yeah, and, and the numbers, there is not much behind anybody because anybody who was good enough to start ended up starting at least a little bit last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, all three of the true freshmen. Yeah, climbed, I mean, it, so. so it's not dire next year, but it's still not good is kind of the – clap would have been a, a huge returning. It's like, going to be really interesting to me to see there's two defensive line guys that insisted on being recruited as defensive linemen. And I think they, they want them as offensive linemen, but I think they just told them what they had to. Um, obviously, we don't want to be in a situation where we're counting on true freshmen again. But I'm just saying 
in terms of depth, if those are your backups, it's not as Yeah, no, that's, it's totally different to be relying on a freshman for depth than relying on them for starting jobs. Yeah, which is what happened this year. Yeah, I, this was true freshman. It's amazing. I think next year they're only gonna ha- they're still going to have like one upperclassman in the two deep. Brumfield. <laughs> yeah, I think Brumfield is going to be the only junior yeah. senior. Because uh, Cushenberry is is he oh, might yeah. be a junior. Yeah, Cushenberry might be, a, but he's a backup. Yeah, he has, <laughs> he's never been I able mean, to take a starting job. I mean, we are talking. It is still freshmen and sophomores, <laughs> which you know maybe in two years we're looking at a stud offensive line, but it's going to take a while to build. Yeah, and a new offensive line coach now, so. So we'll see how that goes. So yeah, no, I'm like I'm trying to be positive on the Enspinger hire. It, it's not, it's not the end of the world kind of thing. I think there's, you know, the catastrophe syndrome that strikes everything. I would have liked it to be a little bit smoother, but man, I really liked his press conference. He he really just impressed me. That's good. And I know it's, you know, I'm always wary of like winning the press conference, but he won the press conference when the deck was stacked against him. I like, he didn't walk out for a coronation. He walked out for an assassination. (laughs) (laughs) You, um, you are the press conference guy. So that's interesting that that's what, I mean, at least won you over somewhat. Yeah, no. And so it's enough to be. And also I think, Looking at the Miles comment really helped as well, saying I was going to, you know, I wanted to hire him. So it made me feel like this is a guy who could have been an offensive coordinator before. Because once again, that red flag of 20 years not being an OC, that's that's concerning. He seems very much to be a coach's coach. Like, I think coaches love him. Yeah, I think so too. It seems like every coach, like Tuberville, did a huge thing with T. Bob, and he just like kept going on and on about how much Ensminger knew and how smart he is and how good, you know. And it's like I, I'm sure they're buddies too. So of course you, he's not going to talk shit on him, but it's like it's pretty consistent in the coaching community. It's been like pretty positive remarks about him. It's like the media and fans that dislike him. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment of it. And I, I there is an element that the coaching community is a little bit incestuous. Yep. But I also do like that it's not just coming from LSU quarters. It, it is coming from the rest of the SEC coaches of like, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. He's a football lifer. Yep. Hey, at least we didn't hire Derek Dooley. Yeah, thank God for that. I, I thought about that the other day. I was like, man, did we hire the worst coordinator this cycle? And then I was like, nope. <laughs> we sure didn't. <laughs> It's, you know, and the one thing that's, you know, comforting again is you look around the SEC and particularly the West, everyone else is moving backwards. Maybe Arkansas is moving forward, but they're, they're in such a hole. I, yeah. I like the higher Arkansas made. I do too, but it, yeah, they got a couple years before that's going to be yeah. common. Yeah, he, he's not going to, it's going to be with the Will Wade thing only in football you can't just wave a magic wand and fix the roster problems you know auburn you know auburn's still gonna be the same team their problem isn't gonna be with the coaching staff it'll still be fine but they they lose a lot of talent you know high level talent what about a&m are they gonna do they're gonna do magic 75 million dollars worth of i I mean 
I'm not a big Jimbo fan. I think that's pretty clear from my record on this one. Um, he's a great. He's building a great staff for recruiting again, um, and I think he's going to target Louisiana. I think that's going to hurt. Yep. Uh, I'm, that's a very A and M kind of thing to do. You know, focus, focus on an enemy and do whatever you can. I think. I think Jimbo would be very dangerous for beating LSU because I think they're going to be so focused on it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, so. I'm more worried about the A&M game than I have been in previous years because uh, I, I actually think someone's a very good coach. But Me too. He was just kind of like a beaten dog when it came to LSU. Like, it was just his mental block. You know, sometimes you just have a program like that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we were just that, you know, we were that bugaboo for him. But uh, He probably doesn't understand it either, honestly. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's what it, I think that's why he was so tortured by it. It's like, what am I doing wrong against these guys? Like, why do they play so well against us? Um, I think Jimbo is. I mean, he'll be fine. I just don't. I don't think he's that great of a game manager. Um, actually, I think he's a terrible game manager. I think he's a great recruiter, but so is Sumlin. Mm-hmm. Um, they do lose a lot of talent, um, and I'm kind of curious what they're going to do it what they're going to do at quarterback. Cause this was a guy who his biggest success of course came when he had Jameis Winston. And I don't want to look too much into that because, Hey, a coach is much better when he has a great quarterback. Well, no, duh. <laughs> so I don't want to make that as too much of a negative, but man, this year when he didn't have a stud quarterback, things just completely fell apart with him. Yeah. It got really, really ugly. No, there is no way that Florida State team should have gone six and six. Like no. that was that was a terrible job of coaching. Um, and you looked up and down A and M's roster. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it. I mean, but I you know they're going to lose Christian Kirk. They don't really have a running game that scares you. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be next year. It's going to be is it going to be Mond again? I'm guessing Mond. Yeah. You know, like. Ugh. I, I don't I don't see how this is a great leap forward for him. It's basically they just hired someone again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a guy who has the same, you know. And normally, like when you fire a coach, you then hire another guy in who does things the opposite way because you're trying to you know mix things up. Mm-hmm. And, and someone was you know a great recruiter, poor in-game coach. Well, that's pretty much Jimbo Fisher. Yep. Uh, so I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I think that was clearly a win the press conference kind of thing. I think they're trying to wow people, and that's why they threw money at Aranda. It's like, look what we're doing. You know, look at all the money we have. Like oh, yeah. big thing, big things in College Station as usual. But I, I don't think I don't think they actually have a plan. I think it's all it's all sizzle, no steak. I'm trying to look at their roster and seeing who I think are any good because I can't yeah. think of their great players right now. Yeah, for a school that's recruited so well. They really don't have a, a that great of a roster. It really don't. You know, like Travion Williams is their leading rusher. I mean, he's not bad. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they got Dalen Mack. Is he coming back? Um, he's never really lived up to his five star. Yeah, like you know, Kel, I guess Kellen Mond is the guy they're. They're hoping he turns into a great quarterback. 
And it's, it's funny to scroll through this roster and see how many Louisiana guys that they came in and took. They were all lower rated, but like none of them were any good. Yeah, hey, look, they took some big five star recruits from us. You know, they took Speedy Noyle, and that didn't yeah. work out. It is that is one of the weird things about recruiting battles. A lot of the big players LSU has lost out on. I don't want to say all of them because there's been some notable exceptions, but a lot of the Louisiana guys that LSU has lost to A&M and Bama have not really panned out. Uh, yeah, big time. And, and I think that's kind of that's kind of interesting, just that how that's worked out. Like they haven't really been bitten too many times. I think Cam Robinson is probably still the biggest miss. Cam Robinson. Um... Landon Collins. Yeah, Landon Collins was... That's a big one. And we'll see how Dalen Mack turns out, you know. Devonta Smith scored the game-winning touchdown in the National Championship. Yeah, that one hurt. Yeah, God, that one hurt. But he hasn't, you know, he's only a freshman, so I don't want to say anything about that. Yeah, but, but he didn't do... He didn't have a big year or anything. Yeah, but it's, once again, only a freshman, so we'll yeah. see what happens his whole career. Um, um, you know, one, one catch is not a career, but pretty I good mean, start. Hey, Joe McKnight had a good career at USC. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Like, yeah. rest in peace, Joe. Yeah. So it's you know LSU has not for all of its you know recruiting wars, it hasn't been burned too badly by the ones they've lost, it, particularly for how many high profile people have gone out of state. Yeah, I agree. You know, and things like at the time, it wasn't a discussion on our site, probably because I drove it, but. We lost Hootie Jones, and everyone was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. One of the best players in Louisiana. He goes to Alabama, and we got yeah. Jamal Adams, and it's like you know, we clearly won that trade. Yeah. like, and also, I th- Yeah, I mean, I think Speedy Noel allowed us to get, you know, a Dupree. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they work out that great, but still, like, is better than Noel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was – I was just thinking, oh, Tony Brown went to Bama, and he's been nothing but, like, just a mess out there. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I always remember Tashiro Davis going to Texas. Yep, that's a big and, one. And saying, "Well, you know," then talking crap about LSU on his way out the door, and mm-hmm. then ended up on a team that never had a winning season. Yeah, and he never had much of a career. Yeah, so that, I'm normally not spiteful towards recruits, but that one was just because he took shots at LSU on his way out. Like, yeah, like Cam Robinson never did that shit. He was yeah. just like, "I want to go to Alabama. That's where I want." Okay, to go. fine. You know, all right. But, Good luck to you. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of some other notable ones. This, you, you're pricking my recruiting. Yeah. My recruiting bug. Well, well, speaking of recruiting, we're almost out of the dead period. Yeah. And we're going to head to what used to be signing day and is now, I don't know, leftover day. <laughs> it's still national signing day. How's else you going to finish this one up? I think everybody basically knows that. So we have four spots left. Uh, one of them, we have a verbal commit from Kelvin Joseph, who was a longtime verbal commit and then decommitted during the season and recommitted just at the Army game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And he's visiting this, this coming weekend, I think. So uh, I don't think he's taking any more visits after that. So I think that one's pretty much sewn up. Um, and then last weekend we hosted our really our last big huge weekend of the year. Um, 
because we had Patrick Sertain, who's like number five in the nation. Yeah. Patrick Sertain Jr., excuse me. Uh, and we had uh, James Foster, who's a four-star QB. Mario Goodrich, who's a four-star DB. So it's really – and oh, Jamar Chase. This is the other big one, wide receiver, that we have been after for – Months and months, and so I've harped on the site about this for a while, but just to go on this on the pod for a second, but I did not like the Mickey Joseph hire just because I he had no bona fides, and he was basically hired to recruit New Orleans, but hey, it's about to start paying off, because he's the one that's been recruiting Jamar Chase, and right. reportedly, you know, Jamar Chase, if you fault his recruiting at all, has like not talked about LSU, not been interested in LSU committed to florida was scheduled to commit to tcu like he has been everything but lsu his entire process and he's going to sign with us so <laughs> i guess you know mickey joseph did his job i guess uh certain's the big fish yeah that's what the big are our one. Ch- what's our chances on that uh i think really good i think he's visiting bama this weekend and there's some people that seem to be like stray concerned about it but uh, I don't really know why because I'd always be concerned about a guy going to Bama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it, but like national people, local people, everyone says he's coming to LSU. So, right. I mean, he's been pretty insistent. We're his leader, like his whole process. It's just you know he's let it play out. So, um, barring some major disaster, I think I feel good about Sertain and Chase, and then Joseph as three of the four it's just that fourth spot which we talked about on the site this week uh do you give it to the quarterback james foster who is i don't want to say a fringe quarterback he's a four-star kid you know and he's got talent it's not like we're taking uh you know stephen rivers or something like some of those lesser guys we've taken before lindsey scott you know those were those were real flyer types at quarterback Uh, he's more gifted than that, but I don't know. He's still really raw. You know, it's not like you look at him and see he's a top player either. Um, or is it Mario Goodrich, who's a four-star DB that reportedly, you know, he's named us his leader and he really wants in. Um, I think they were honestly trying to get all four of those guys, well, five, I guess, to close the class. And then that kicker thing really screwed things up. But yeah. Uh, Obviously, LSU needs a kicker if the bowl game is any evidence. So maybe that's not a wasted spot, taking a kicker that can actually make a kick. I don't know. Oh, a little bit of... Sorry, that was recruiting vomit, but... Uh, no, it was... I feel good about Sertain. I feel good about Chase. And I think we're going to wind up with Goodrich and Joseph. I think those will be the last four. Okay. So you think we will pass on the quarterback at the end of the day? I think so, just because that seems to be the direction we're going. But I don't know. I mean, I'm a. How do you feel about that? Like, I know you're not you're not huge into like one guy makes or breaks anything, but yeah, we've had so many issues with quarterbacks and not having enough and not having depth, and then there's still like. Even this year, okay, we have Brennan, we have Narcisse, that's nice. McMillan, we know, is just a backup. No, I don't care what they tell him. Uh, if we go into the season somehow starting McMillan, then I'm going to be just my Yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah. That's like when we started Andrew Hatch. Yeah, yeah Not exactly. quite that bad. Exactly. It's, it's like the other two can't level. learn the offense kind of thing. Um, so you basically have two quarterbacks, 
and you would they on the one hand you would like to see more depth like clearly you need more more depth that said brennan and narcisse are both gonna be sophomores next year it's not like the guy you recruit's gonna play Mm -hmm. there's really no path to him playing so if you're gonna have a gap this is the year to do it and also it doesn't rule out going after a transfer yeah once things close which uh, which I think the hard caps really hurting them I agree you know where you know they, they only have the 25 and they can't back count people anymore and stuff like that so I, I think they might you know look for a Danny Etling again you know hey who can we get program yep that's that's the route I would go if I were managing the roster. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like, I would like to have another quarterback, but at the same time, we're still going to have three quarterbacks on the roster next year, unless yeah. Narcissus transfers. But let's assume he's not. And also, none of them. I mean, McMillan will be the oldest, and he's a junior, and he's third on the depth chart. So, if you were to recruit someone. They weren't going to play next year. So then next year you get a freshman when those guys, you know, Brennan and Narcisse are juniors. Yep. You know, you're basically on pace to have Narcisse play as a, as a senior, and then you'll have a sophomore quarterback ready to go behind him. So it's it's not a not that big of a deal if you don't get a quarterback this class. I'd like to have one, but I also don't like taking just a take. Yeah, that's. I think that's my – if this was like – Okay, Justin Fields is probably the number one quarterback in the country. If this was like, should LSU take Justin Fields or Mario Goodrich? You're like, yeah, they should take yeah. Justin Fields. But this is like, again, I'm not trying to diminish Foster. I don't think he's a fringe quarterback, but he's he's not a sure bet, really. I think the question is, is would I rather have a quarterback or a kicker? I would rather have the quarterback. But yes. the horse is out of the barn on that one. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and I honestly I like Brennan and Narcisse better than Foster as prospects. Like I liked them both more. Yeah. Uh, so you know I feel like he would be the third most talented guy out there. And, well, also, and next year you really do have to. I I think you're hitting it right. It's there's a lot of residue from what happened under Miles with quarterbacks that I don't. I think there's a lack of trust in the program to get one and to continually get them. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of have to let it go and trust that they're going to back up next year, go out and get a top guy again, and then we're going to have a nice depth chart. You know? I think that's the big thing is you want to go out there and have Miles Brennan show out this year. Yeah. Because that can build some trust and actually get a big quarterback recruit in. It's like, hey, look, this is not the LSU of your older brother. Yep. It's the new era. Yeah, and I, I think – which is why I wanted Phil Longo. You know, it's run the air raid. But I get it. Like <laughs> – The air raid is in. Yeah. And look, there is something to be said that it's still being able to go power. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not – I like the idea when Ensmere said, you know, this is going to be a multiple offense. You know, it's not – we're not married to one thing. Yeah, I think you and I both in the roundtable thing we did, we like – well, both the Oklahoma offenses, but particularly yeah. any of – I want any bit of Lincoln-Riley stuff yeah, to me. Yeah, just – yeah, I'm with you. Because that's like the marriage of everything. You know, you've got the spread passing, but oh, you can power run the football. They're not a, a – Right, and I, I think some, 
I think that's the thing is sometimes when you get a team that can really throw it around, it starts to hurt the defense. Yep. And, you know, you do need to be able to ball control. So I think there's – and that's what's so great about Oklahoma is that, God, they can. They can they can beat you however they want. Yep. Oh, they're fun to watch. They really are. Oklahoma's one of the more enjoyable teams in the country. Damn them. Damn them. <laughs> I know. And they're going to go to another five-star quarterback because they got uh, uh, Kyler. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happens. I mean, success breeds success. Yeah. Well, an A and M transfer—that's what it breeds. Yeah, and well, that's also like, but everyone else is looking at you know, at, at LSU for oh, they get another awesome DB prospect. Why do they get them? You know, why yeah. do they get Patrick Sertain? Like, that's not fair. That's very true. You know, it's if you have success at a position, you're going to get more guys. Or Alabama's running back depth chart right now. Yeah, it's a team. Yeah, but like they've earned that. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's until it. else, yeah, until else, you can start you know throwing the ball around. You're not going to get a quarterback recruit. It's that simple. Two last things on staff hires. I think because we're winding out here. Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting. Okay, Sullivan is brought on. 73 years old, a lot of questions about how a 73-year-old guy can recruit. And apparently Jamar Chase just, like, loved the guy and his family. Yeah, that was big. That, like, sold them on coming to LSU, basically. It was Jerry Sullivan, which is, I mean, a good sign for O. I'm still curious how a 73-year-old guy is going to go out and hit the road, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, also, he maybe he doesn't recruit and he's, or he just stays on campus. Um, yeah, I thought about yeah. that, too. I mean, I don't like the fact that I didn't like them all taken together. The, those those hires taken together were not not good, not a good look. You know, where you say I hire a lo- I hire a longtime assistant, my former mentor, and my kid's high school coach. That is, I mean, that's casting the net pretty close to home. Well, then you had news today that uh, apparently we're going to hire Kevin Falk. Yeah. And yeah, I love Kevin Falk, but once again, it's, you know, it's, it feels like a, it, it's more of them taken to all together. It just shows a lack of creativity and hiring, but you know, you hire who you're comfortable with. And I, I think he's doubling down on that after how much he didn't get along with Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't make a huge deal out of support staff hires. To me, it's just like whatever. He, the guy was his kid's high school coach. Oh well, I mean, he has a long yeah. reputation. He's been around. It's not like yeah, it's not like he brought him to the high school and then he brought him to no. LSU or something. You know, and like what he's won a hundred games over ten years. Like the guy's a good coach, but it's it's still at the same time. You're just kind of like it's it's all of them taken together. Like yeah, Sullivan's are you know is a guru, but at the same time, it's like you hired your mentor. Yeah. You know, oh, like Ensminger, we've talked it up for, you know, Juan's a pretty good hire. Oh, you just hired an assistant that was on staff. It's it's more of the aggregation of those hires. Show a mentality of let's not shake shake things up. Yeah, I'm Everything's curious. Fun. I'm curious what direction they'll go because reportedly it's going to be Aranda's hire and it's going to be a safeties coach for the last spot. Um, so... I don't know, depending on, you know, which rumors or whatever you want to believe, but they say Aranda is going to get autonomy over the hire. I think we'll know by who it is. If it's 
I'm someone sure. outside the LSU family or, you know, Orgeron's very close tree, then Aranda made the hire. I think it will be. I'm just curious the style it will be. Will it be like a guy that Aranda thinks is like just a really good on-field coach? Or does he look at the staff and say, we need like one more young guy? Because we really do. We do. We need one young guy to like be, you know, like Meatball and Corey Raymond, they hit the trail really hard, but we need one more of those guys, I think. Yeah, I Obviously think so. O does too, but... But it can't always be your head coach doing it. Yeah. yeah. And Ensminger is going to have his responsibilities dialed a little bit back because of coordinating. And I don't know. It's just interesting. So, yeah, well, yeah, Joseph can't recruit them all. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we go into the, you know, long, dark night of the offseason. And. I don't know. There's some nerves for next year. I think next year is definitely a year where you look at it going, I have no idea where we stand. Do you, I guess, let's, let me close with this question. Do you honestly think he could be fired next year? Like, do you think there's a I, chance of that? I think there's a chance. I don't think it's likely, but yeah. yes. I don't, I just, oh, I agree in theory, but I just don't see there's any way he could dissolve the program to that. Even with our tough schedule, like it still looks like a, we can win seven, eight games off of it. Yeah, I think we. I think we'll win. Se- if we win seven or eight games, I think he'll survive. I still way he gets fired for winning eight games, right? I mean, yeah, just- I, I agree with that. I, I think how you can see it spiral out of control is since the schedule's front loaded. You know, you come out of September three and two, two and three. Florida Georgia happened. If you're two and five, three and four coming out of that, you still have Bama on the schedule. One more loss. If you go six and six, yeah, you're staring down the barrel. Yeah, you were staring down the barrel. So uh, it is not hard to come up with a scenario in which this team goes six and six next year or five and seven. Six and six. Brennan gets Theismand. uh, Yeah, I mean. Aranda gets caught in a scandal, gets fired after. Without going crazy like that. But I'm just saying, (laughs) if he gets Theismand and we get a scandal, we're going four and, you know, four and eight. I mean, you can see how things can go badly. You can also see things go really well. So, I mean, the most likely scenario is this team's going to win eight or nine games next year again. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I think that's what we're – but I would like, I don't know, just to mix things up. You know, let's win 12 games and win the SEC. Let's do That'd it. That would be nice. Let's, yeah. win, let's win three, miss a bowl. Spice it up. <laughs> yeah, and that would definitely be the end of the Ed Orgeron era. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Long ways to go. Miles mm. to go before we sleep, right? Yeah, exactly. So now we turn our wanting eyes to basketball and gym and basketball and gym. That's that's baseball. Not too far away. Yeah, but baseball. I think it's going to take a step back this year as well, but. Not a huge step back, but we lose a lot. Yeah, I saw it, it, we got ranked like 11th or something, and I saw someone I think we're, saying it I think was that was low. too high. We were like 16 in another poll. I mean, there's a lot. There's like 20, yeah, you course. know, something ridiculous baseball polls. But I've seen it's around like 15. It's been kind of like where we're averaging. That's more than fair. Yeah, yeah. we do lose a lot. Yeah, but LSU is getting a reputational rank, which I think they, you know, LSU deserves. You know, you've you win that often. 
you know, you get the benefit of the doubt that you can reload. But I think the Zach Hess injury is going to be. It's pretty devastating. Yeah, it really is. That was a guy we really needed. It'd be interesting to see new faces in there. It will be. I'm, you know, I'm excited about the year, but at the same time, it's. We had that same core uh, for, you know, two, three years. So Yeah, we are looking at a step back. And I, I'm I, I'm sad we're not going to have the double Zach attack like that. <laughs> and Kramer. No more Kramer. Yeah, that's going to be sad. You know, we're not going to have shots of his mom in every game. <laughs> oh, they brought that up for way too long as a fact. Like, yeah, yeah. everyone fucking knows. Yeah, it was like Herman, you know, Herman Johnson being the largest baby in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we realized. I, like, I was like, anyone who has seen a game ever knows <laughs> that. Oh, Big Herm. I wonder what Big Herm is doing right now. I don't know. I was, I was at least willing to spot the College World Series guys, the, you know, the mom story, because for them it is new. Like, that's the first time they cover college baseball all year. True. So when ESPN does that, okay, I'll spot it. But, like, I mean, the SEC network was, you know, milking that. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, the only people watching this are, like, diehard SEC baseball (laughs) fans. We know. I'd love to meet that producer who was like, yeah, we got to get a mention in of this. It's got, it's going to do big numbers in that third segment, third in, top of the third Oh God! Didn't he just like kill me? <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll burn that bridge when we get there. All right. Well, uh, season three. Is this season three? This is about when we start started. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have to think of an off season project. Yeah, I had one last year, and I, we never got around to it. And I can't remember yeah. what it was now. You're talking about plays. Plays is hard to research. Yeah, that is truly. Uh, uh, that's a lot. I mean, uh, thought about teams. Like, um, we could throw it to our faithful listeners. What kind of project do they want us to do? Yeah, that is interesting. What do you What do you want from us? For the love of God, tell me. What do you want from us? We are now a choose-your-own-adventure podcast. Oh, let's not go that far. But, you know. (laughs) If your idea is stupid, we're not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, we need to come up with an off-season project because those are fun. I agree. Yeah, it adds a lot of uh, fruit to the episodes. It's better than just churning through news. Well, also, I just like, you know, where what I really liked about the coming up with the all time team is that you got to do the modern era and I got to do rep old guys. And it set up a little bit of it was a good dynamic where you could, you know, I got to research history and then we, you know, talk about it. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So. We'll think of something. Yeah. We'll think of something. Best losses in LSU history. <laughs> Just for Katie. The Katie Penny best losses in LSU history list. Uh, she'd be so pissed. That'd be awesome. Um, <sighs> all right, that's all I got. 
Yeah, same here. I don't even have a sign off. I'm just kind of. <laughs> 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 <laughs>